Hello, hello. We're back again for another episode of the Investment News Podcast. I'm Jeff Benjamin, co-hosting with Bruce Kelly. We are talking today with Shannon Yusey, the CEO and co-founder of Beacon Point Advisors, the nation's largest female-led RIA. By my latest look at the ADB, about $23 billion dollars. Somewhere in California, I'm guessing. But uh, Shannon, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, we want to hear all about the world of Beacon Point. Bruce has a whole battery of questions, and uh, I will I will sprinkle in my own deep thoughts along the way. Bruce Kelly. Hey there. Thanks, Jeff. Hi, Shannon. How are you? First, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's Thursday. It is Thursday. Even though it's next week in podcast time, so it always gets a little loopy. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. We've been uh, talking to your press people a little bit, trying to get you on for the past couple of months. You and I had the good fortune to meet at an industry conference, the Financial Services Institute, back in the um, end of January. And you were speaking on a panel about M&A, I believe. Yes, that is right. Yeah. So, you know, I thought it, it was, it was kind of... Uh, funny, I've covered mostly brokerage here for a long time, and Jeff has done a lot of work with RIAs. But now we're kind of, kind of doing this as as those worlds kind of mix and swamp together. We're we're doing more coverage of both, and I thought it was kind of interesting. Your um, before we get into Beacon Point, your reaction to being on that panel was kind of interesting to me. It it was you, were you taken aback a little bit by the by the room itself, by all these broker-dealer people, it seemed like you were kind of a new person, an RIA as a new entrant into this kind of broker-dealer world where many of those people had, had have known each other for so long, you know, for decades. Yeah, it, that's a super interesting question. Um, not take, taking it back wouldn't be the right word. It's just, right. it's a different audience for us. So it was new though. It was kind of a new experience for you. Definitely a new experience. That's what I was sensing, okay. So it was more of a broker-dealer audience as opposed to an RIA audience. Correct. Typically, typically in the past, we've worked primarily with other RAs. And how is that? How is that different or new for you? Well, new in the sense that there are more, I think, broker dealers or you know, in, independent broker dealers that are looking to either affiliate with an RIA or branch off on their own or you know, create their own RIA. So we 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 are seeing more and more of that. I would say when we started doing acquisitions. We, we actually, and when was that about? The, well, the, the, the history is a little bit. We, in 2009, we were like, gosh, there's got to be a, a significant opportunity. And interestingly enough, for broker-dealers is what we were thinking. We were thinking, you know, coming out of 2008, you know, a lot of people are going to be, you know, disenfranchised and maybe looking for something new. Is there an opportunity to acquire breakaway brokers? And we... we we pivoted a bit. We kind of looked at our model and looked at what we had built. And, you know, we founded the firm in 2002. And initially out of the gate, we worked with institutional clients, so foundations and endowments, as well as private wealth clients. So we had built or had been building from the very beginning of the business a really strong infrastructure. So, you know, we had back office, we had compliance, we had, you know, the, the financial arm of the business. We had a really strong investment research team. And we thought, gosh, can can we offer that to others? And the RIA marketplace seemed to be a perfect fit for that. It's and we did like our- a mini brokerage firm. 
what you're describing in a way. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, um, yeah, Not many broker transactional or underwriting, you know, but in terms of the, you know, the nerve center or the mind center. Right. I, I, th I think that makes that that parallel actually makes a lot of sense. Um, so we, we, you know, went went to the market in earnest, you know, with you know looking at other REA firms and completed our first acquisition in 2011. And I can't even tell you the number we've done since then, but, you know, we're up to, you know, 36 offices across the country and growing. We'll announce on a couple more um, this year. And the opportunity set, as you guys know, because you're seeing it in, in the broker-dealer space as well as the REA space, is more RAAs are being created each year that are being acquired. Oh, without a doubt. Without yeah, a doubt. so the, the opportunity set just continues to, I mean, you, you would think that a lot of acquisitions have been done, but the, the opportunity set continues to grow. So take us back, if you would, uh, just to the launching of Beacon Point. When did it launch? Who did you uh, work with to get it? off the ground and then how you've given us a little bit of how it grew up until uh, what happened after 2009 and like but what happened from the beginning through 2009 and tell us about yourself too a little bit yeah sure no problem um so i was actually in grad school i had worked for an investment management firm i was actually running a portfolio um really working with private wealth clients and it struck me that i just felt things could be done in a different fashion to really help clients. You know, coming to a large cap growth manager or a value manager and the, the manager saying, we can do everything for you. I just felt, gosh, that's really not the best interest of clients. So I wrote the business plan in grad school for Beacon Point, really all around. How do we how do we build a business with no conflicts, no, no products that we're selling to clients and really just giving them really good advice. And this was in the 90s or so? Or? Um, this was this was actually in 2001. 2001, okay. When I, yeah, finishing up grad Another school. Another momentous time in the future. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I kind of, I, I feel like I'm hitting them all. <laughs> I'm like, we, we've had enough in our career so far. Um, so I, you know, I, I approached my dad at the time. I'd written the business plan. I actually ended up getting a B on the business plan. And basically it's... Boo. I, right, professor, you know. Right. Well, he, here's the thing: is for those of you who've gone to business school, you you understand that a B is like, hey, thanks for showing up. Um, so he, he didn't he didn't believe it was a, a good plan. But I had grown up around the dinner table with my dad. Um, had my dad had founded an institutional consulting firm, so really working with foundations and endowments. He was 60 at the time, and I said, hey, dad, like I, this is what I'm thinking. You know, would you be interested? And he was like, you're crazy. You know, I mean. He's 60 and had founded another firm. But after a little bit of convincing and, you know, kind of going through the plan and figuring out a, a way to, to merge the private wealth with the institutional and, you know, using that infrastructure, um, he agreed to join forces. And uh, there was the start of Beacon Point. We were fortunate to bring part of his team from his former firm. And then uh, Matt Cooper, who was our president now, who runs our acquisitions, um, also started with us literally before we opened the doors. Um, so it was a it was an interesting uh, interesting time, and I think we we were fortunate that we we built the firm with the right people to start the business, which I think a lot of people don't come out of the gates with. We're going to hire several people. We didn't have I mean, we had no revenue, we had no clients, but we're like okay, we're going to make a we're going to make an investment. I had just sold my house in L.A. That was my investment into. The business. Um, I, I I was pregnant um, as we were launching the business. Um, oh my my gosh. husband. I think my husband thought I was absolutely insane. 
Um, he is a stay-at-home dad and has been since I had our first child, um, and I now have four. Uh, but he 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 never really he's just like okay if you believe this is what what you need to do and what's going to be best for clients then everything else will come after that. So we launched and we thankfully um, we did we did pretty well out of the gates, and you know then we're offered you know the opportunity to participate in some custodial referral programs and I think we were one of very few that was in all three of the referral programs and that really helped us with the um, initial growth of the business as well. It's funny, you know, 2001 and 2009, so many people running around with their hair on fire. I just remember stories of brokers, you know, in 2009, not returning phone calls to clients, quitting the business, tearing up their FINRA license to go RIA only, that kind of thing. But sometimes there's opportunities there when there's a big crush like there, like there was. Maybe now is a similar time. Who knows, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think any any turmoil in the markets, any turmoil in the industry, I, I always think that there's some opportunity there. You know, it, it, interesting, and I think Jeff could probably attest to this a little bit too. Is most REA firms become businesses, like major businesses, because they love doing what they're doing. They love serving clients. That's how they start out. You're right. And then they end up going, oh my gosh, I now have a, a legitimate business. One of the things we did differently is we, we absolutely had that, those that were serving clients. But we said, you know what, we're going to have a dedicated management team so that somebody can actually focus on the business of the business. That's different. It's different. It is different. And I think it, it has served us well over the last, we just turned 21 two weeks ago. Yes. We're, Congratulations. We're, you know, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And your um, eldest child is 21? My eldest child is 23, so I had I, I do have a 21 year old, so good good work. <laughs> um, and then I've got a 19 year old and a 15 year old, so oh I gosh. had had one. I had actually had a child in grad school too, so yeah, just a little bit nutty. <laughs> That's a heck of a 20 years there. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. Yeah, we've 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 built a great business, great team, and I think, you know, I. I I attribute the success to the people we have here in the organization. We have an incredibly collaborative organization. Also, what I think is maybe a little bit unique um, from you know some others in the industry, is we work together. You know, all all boats rise when everyone does well across the organization. So you know whether somebody's really good on you know at ESG or somebody's really good on this particular private equity investment, they'll step in across the country. I mean, we have offices all across the country and. You know, somebody who maybe specializes in one thing is willing to help step in and help somebody else. We've got, you know, a large number of certified divorce financial analysts, which if somebody needs that, they'll step in and help somebody going through that. Right. So I think right. it's just a little bit a little bit different than um, some others. Well, I think we should bring Jeff into the conversation now because Shannon kind of pointed to, to Jeff's expertise here <laughs> in the OIA world. Hey. So Jeff, what do, you, what do you got for Shannon today? Hey, Shannon, how you doing? Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm so impressed with the growth story of Beacon Point. 23 billion, that's, you know, that's up there with, the, with all the biggie, biggies. So is this mostly an acquisition story? I know that you're, you've, uh, you're, I think you're majority owned by KKR, right? We're, yeah, about half of the business is owned by KKR. Okay, so is this mostly acquisitions and, and are these RIAs? Or are you bringing on breakaways? I mean, how are you getting here? So we've done a number of acquisitions, but our organic growth rate is top of the industry. 
So we are also growing, you know, outside of acquisitions, we're also growing um, through client referrals and um, referrals from our, our custodial partners. Uh, and primarily RIAs that have joined Beacon Point, although we do have um, a couple that we're working through right now um, that are breakaways. Okay. Now you said you don't recall how many deals you've done, but do you, are you have a, I know you have a dedicated acquisition team. Do you have growth targets at the beginning of every year saying we need to reach this mark or we need to make this many acquisitions? We, we, you know, interesting. We don't really view it like that. Uh, we view it, there, there's a lot of opportunity, like we talked about. I mean, there's thousands of REA firms. We view it as we're going to put our name out there. We're going to get out in the marketplace and, and try to continue to grow. And if we find great partners, our first three screens, I think you might appreciate this, is no jerks. Uh-huh. No jerks. <laughs> no jerks. All right. So as long as they're not jerks, <laughs> yeah. we will continue to grow, right? And I think there's there's so many opportunities out there and so many incredible firms that have done some really amazing things. And we look at each acquisition as, you know, where where can we help them for sure? Because obviously we've built a pretty large infrastructure, but where can they help better Beacon Point? Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, plenty of firms doing things a little bit differently, or they may have, you know, they, they may be bringing something to the table that we haven't thought about. Right. Expert, expert. You were mentioning expertise, Shannon. Is there any kind of expertise that you're looking for in the marketplace right now? You were talking about, you know, uh, uh, private equity or uh, evaluations or something like that before. You know, if you have someone in an office, you know, in Sheboygan who knows that, knows about that, you bring them in to the main office. You, you hook them up with the main office to talk about whatever you need to talk about. Is there something that you're looking for right now? Nothing, nothing in particular. I mean, I think, you know, our, we would love to continue. We think that there's a significant opportunity with female wealth advisors. Right. So we would love to continue our growth there. And we've done a number of acquisitions of female led RIAs, which is awesome. And it currently, as it sits today, 60% of my leadership team is female, but, but, the marketplace, as you guys know, you've done, I'm sure, a lot of stories on this, but the the control of wealth over the next decade is monumental. I mean, the face of our client is going to change because women will be controlling the majority of wealth. Schwab Asset Management is proud to sponsor the Investment News Podcast. In today's complex world, Schwab Asset Management provides a simple, straightforward approach to investing. As one of the largest and most experienced asset managers, they offer low-cost core ETFs for building the foundation of a diversified portfolio. Their focused lineup, which includes market cap index and strategic beta ETFs, is a reflection of a commitment to deliver exceptional experiences to investors and the financial professionals who serve them. Learn more at schwabassetmanagement.com backslash ETFs. That's schwabassetmanagement.com backslash ETFs. What are, you, what are you seeing in terms of valuations out there right now? And I don't know, Shannon, how closely involved you are with the actual M&A team because you're the CEO. You might, um, might be a step removed. I don't know. But, I mean, this is a different time for acquisitions in general. I mean, we had a, a decade of essentially 
free cash and now that's all gotten tighter does that make this a the ultimate buyer's market where these valuations of these firms are have been beaten down a little bit yeah yes and no i i, I don't think necessarily a buyer's market i still think it's a seller's market too I think I think the difference is the structure maybe changes a little bit, so maybe not as much cash up front, as well as um, really making sure that you're paying for the earnings that the that business is receiving. So mm-hmm. whereas I think maybe you know over the last ten years maybe it didn't matter as much because cash was very inexpensive. Right. But I think people are paying a little bit more attention to that, which I think is I think it's healthy. I think is what people should be paying attention to. Does succession or how does succession affect the value of a firm? If an advisor is, uh, you know, pick any size firm, a $500 million RIA with, with a couple of owners and they're, you know, they're in, in maybe in their late 50s, early 60s, it, it's clearly some kind of a succession plan as opposed to a firm with a couple of owners in their 40s. How do you value that? I mean, remember, our audience is exactly the people I just described. So how does a big buyer like Beacon Point look at those scenarios? Yeah, I, I certainly think we put more value on the firm that has accomplished succession within their office. Mm-hmm. So identified who that successor is and identified what that proper transition looks like. Otherwise, as you, as you know, I mean, if, if you don't have proper succession, then you're your business just dies off as you mm-hmm. get older. So, you know, we're, we are really looking for firms that, that have a strong succession. And if they don't have a strong succession, can they partner with one of our net other offices within a geographic region to help give them some succession? Mm-hmm. And we've, we've done it. I mean, we did it here in, in one of our uh, Newport Beach offices where we were able to, you know, identify a successor, bring the successor in. They worked with the team and he's now leading that business. So we, we've we seen it across the country where we've been able to do that. Um, Boston, similar example. Um, but, but now that, you know, he's now the older guy in the office, he's not really old, but he's, he's the, you know, the one of the older guys in the office is tra- mm-hmm. transitioning clients to the next generation. So I think you have to be deliberate about making sure that you are transitioning clients to the next generation and making sure you've got a plan for succession. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect, though, and I think that's the value of partnering with a larger RIA is that's what we bring to the table. We we help with that or identify other firms that maybe we may be able to bring in that can help with succession. Do you? How does uh, Beacon Point manage client assets? Is it you outsource? Do you have your own internal models? What so, do you do? Yeah, I mean, we, we really, it's each client is unique. You know, everyone's, you're, you know, you're, different than Bruce and different than my allocation. Um, but we, we have a, a research team that does all of the research on the investment managers. Mm-hmm. So it's going out and curating who they believe are the best investment managers within each asset class. And then identifying those managers, whether they're you know uh, private equity, fixed income, you know, uh, long only, whatever that looks like, and identifying those and putting them on a short list. Then they're, they're fully vetted through the organization, which is obviously very important. Um, and then we will help develop asset allocation for clients um, within each of the offices. Okay. How much does a potential buyer, and again, we're talking about Beacon Point, factor in the investment management strategy at these RAAs? Because we talk a lot about valuations, and that's 
RIAs, everybody wants to know what their firm is worth. And I know you, there's no simple answer to that because there's no simple formula. But how much does the underlying, I mean, do you, I'm assuming you look at the performance of the portfolios at these RIAs, right? As opposed, and, and as opposed to just looking at, you know, their total asset growth over a period of time, right? What well, we do, but we have a research team here and we know it's tried and true and has done extremely well. So the, the goal is to ultimately get clients moved over to the strategies that we, rec- we recommend at Beacon Point. Right. So we're not as concerned about the investment strategy. I mean, let's be clear. We want to make sure that they're doing things appropriately and clients are well taken care of and they're not, there's not any investments that would cause a red flag. However, we we're we're willing to say, you know, what you've got, you've got a couple of years because we obviously we don't want to put anybody in a tax situation, um, the, a couple of years to move those cl- clients to the portfolios that we recommend, and they want to, right? I mean, you look at these again. What these advisors, most of them are are really wanting to work directly with the client. So as much as we can help them take off their plate on the day to day, they're thrilled. I mean, we've got an amazing chief investment officer, and his team is incredible. And they they do the heavy lift there for all of our offices, and they're willing you know they're willing to come in speak to their clients and you know share additional resources, which just really kind of just lifts their organization. To me, that's interesting because I think if you're looking at an RA, and maybe this doesn't come up very often because so many people outsource their asset management, but I would think if you're looking at an RA that just has like a just a you know not like unbelievable Bernie Madoff type numbers, but numbers that are impressive and and consistent. You're still saying when you come to Beacon Point, you you kind of, you know, go onto our platform. So it, so that's that's a phenomenal question. So it's it's not one size fits all. If somebody comes into Beacon Point and they've got a, a investment product that looks better than something we've been using, we absolutely will turn around and do the research, but we want to do the research, right? I mean, it's, we we do in depth research on these things. It's like a a four inch, you know, <laughs> deck of information that we go through on, with each investment manager. So, and absolutely, we're we're open minded to if there's a better opportunity and they have identified it, phenomenal. And and, and honestly, that's what a lot of the these firms bring to the table as well is new opportunities, new strategies that we we maybe didn't know about or. Um, they've identified and used for a number of years, so no, we're absolutely open. It's a, it's a, it, it is a true, what well, well, we call it acquisitions, and we've done thirty nine. I confirm the number. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it's a true partnership. So we are really working, you know, hand to hand with you know those that are running uh, the local offices. Thirty nine. That's that's a lot of deals. Do you do you happen to know? And I, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but what's your what's your biggest or among your biggest acquisitions were? Yeah, about a billion in AUM. Mm-hmm. And and I would say about half half the business in terms of AUM is acquisition, half is organic growth. Okay, this is something that Bruce and I have always liked to to kick it around with uh, with the with the, some of the bigger acquirers out there. When does uh, when do the big firms start acquiring each other? <laughs> um, well, are you going to bid on Silicon Valley Bank private? Um, we are not <laughs> going to bid. Point merge with SVB private. No, well, you know what? Chopping at the bit here to ask you. Here, so it's so interesting. I do think that will happen. You're both California firms. We are both California firms, but I, Jeff, I do think that you will see 
some mergers of equals coming down, you know, over the next five to 10 years, because I think scale in our business is extremely important. And so you're going to have, you know, either we're going to run into a talent shortage of, you know, executive teams, or we want to, they, firms want to build something just a little bit bigger and offer, you know, more services to clients. Um, so I, th- I think that likely will happen. Um, with respect to Silicon Valley Bank, what, what would concern me there is the talent's already leaving the room. Mm-hmm. So if you can't keep the talent there, I think that's really difficult. Who's left from there? I just, we're, we're hearing a lot of advisors are leaving Silicon Valley. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're hearing. That's, that's what we're hearing anecdotally. So I, I don't know, you know, I don't have any names or numbers, but that is what we're hearing. Right. And I, I, okay. I imagine it to be true because I think folks are trying to figure out what their next, take care of their clients and what their, you know, what their next career Well, my is. question around that is, you know, what kind, because they were just acquired, they were Boston private, I believe, right? Or, right? And so they yeah, Boston private acquired last year. They're very big, fifteen, seventeen billion, something like that. And what kind of contracts or covenants are in place? You know, I imagine with the bank failing that they might not be tied to the restricted covenants, right. but I, I don't, I don't All know that what that looks like. Blow up. Uh, yeah, and maybe yeah. Boston private comes back and buys themselves back. You know, right. I, I don't know. Right. I don't know what'll happen there. So no impending merger, Beacon Point and SVB Private. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. The only other thing I'd like to ask you about, Shannon, it uh, it is the end of March here, so uh, it's March Madness time. Do you have a bracket, and uh, how are you doing there? Okay, so I, this is going to sound so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm, I'm going to say it, and I, I don't know if you record it. You record it. I'm just going to go down. So we we do a bracket here at Beacon Point, um, and I'm so bad at it that I mean, historically I'm so bad at it because I'm not. I don't really watch a ton of basketball. I, I just to divert. I, I actually was a college athlete, but I just basketball. Ha- My sister played Division One basketball in college, but I played. Oh, wow. uh, I played uh, Division One volleyball, but um, I, I I don't know who's in my bracket. I don't even know who's still left in the tournament, and my husband completely filled it out. <laughs> How about any right. of your kids? Your four kids play hoops, or, or no? Uh, no, I, I've, I've got a volleyball player, and then uh, I've got one playing Division One uh, water polo. At oh Brown. my gosh! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, which is you know what's really interesting about that? Not that my daughter's playing, but that the the whole athletic thing is fifteen percent of our team is we're collegiate athletes wow. and i don't know what the industry norm is but i, I we've got a lot of you know college of athletes on the team yeah a lot of <laughs> yeah. jocks at beacon exactly <laughs> the competitive nature i guess i don't know yeah definitely well also it's the whole networking thing yeah right it's who you know they play well with others i don't know teams yep all right well so we don't know who you have picked in the final four and it sounds like you don't know either I, I honestly have no idea, which is, I, I pro- my, my bracket's probably bad anyway because there were so many upsets. <laughs> well, yeah. you don't know. That's that's how you sneak through. So, I always pick Rutgers before the tournament, and they never show up, so. Yeah. I, I hope my husband picked UCLA because <laughs> that, that's where I got my MBA, but I, I, um, I doubt it because he went to USC, so it's, pro- I, it's, probably, it's probably a mess. Uh, <laughs> that's a real rivalry. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, Shannon, we want to thank you for being here and uh, and sharing yeah, thanks all, so your, much. all your you know good stuff with us. Really, it's going to be fun to watch uh, what happens as uh, Beacon Point uh, advisors go forward and 
continue to, to buy and maybe uh, maybe there'll be some big news about a, a, a big firm buying a big firm but uh, in the meantime stay in touch with us because uh, we want to keep a track keep track of what's going on there thank you both I really appreciate it thank you launching every Monday it's another episode of the investment news podcast we want to thank our special guest this week Shannon UC of Beacon Point advisors um, we also want to thank our producer Angelica Hester you can find the podcast of course at investmentnews.com you can also find it at Apple Spotify Google Play and Stitcher leave us a review on Apple follow us on Spotify our Twitter handles are at Benji Ryder and mine is at ben BD News Guy. stay tuned we'll be talking to you next week